0: Thomas, thank you so much for joining us joining us on uh Coastal Catchups. Um I know you're flat out with the work you're doing at the minute. Um but how are you doing?
1: Good. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me. It's really nice to 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 speak to a fellow enthusiast of uh of the marine world and uh and the environment. So yeah, nice to be here.
0: Yeah, it's such a hot topic at the minute um between energy transition uh decarbonization the energy grid and then uh, water quality ecology so there's a lot going on um so yeah we should have a lot to talk about and um, just to start thomas um could you give us a background in uh, your career and what you're up to now
1: yeah sure yeah so um i've taken quite a bit of an arc of my journey i'd definitely say i've um been part of the energy transition as it were so i uh, started off as a as a geologist so my background is in in geoscience um and pursued that for several years and ended up working at shell over in houston in the usa um and so as you can imagine um you know that's pretty full on out there and and, and very much head in the rocks but i had quite an interesting job of leading uh field trips so i was taking groups of people out into the um uh, all across the states uh, places on the, on the Texas coast, looking at the, uh, the marine life, places inland in Utah, um, places in Arizona, just looking at the geology, um, teaching geologists how to be better geologists and ultimately find more oil in a, in, in a better way. Um, but as time went by, I uh, definitely felt the urge to do something a bit more, um, uh, a bit bigger with my career, a bit more, uh, uh, something that would give back to society um and uh i slowly made the transition looking at things at like carbon capture and storage geothermal looking at hydrogen and this was just purely off my own back looking at research getting involved in groups that were out there um and this was uh, in the infancy of the energy transition so there's still a lot of 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 work going on pre COVID, um and then i came back to the uk um and just before covid and covid hit and i think that's where we see the biggest change in the energy industry's emphasis where we just saw so much investment suddenly going into renewable energy um and it was at that point i i joined uh rps uh, to focus initially on skills development and learning with very much a mind on the energy transition, given my background and experience, um, and then subsequently went into their energy transition team, where a lot of the business, a lot of the focus is on offshore wind. Um, um, and then moving a bit, sort of fast forwarding a couple of years, uh, I'm a very proud Welshman, I speak Welsh, I wanted to move back to Wales, and it just so happened that we have a, a, a rather large offshore leasing round coming up in the Celtic Sea and so an opportunity to join WSP as their Celtic Sea lead presented itself um, and so that's where I find myself now. Um, it's it's quite an organic process I would say but it's not been without effort um, but I will say that you know that I set out with that ambition sort of five or six years ago that I wanted to develop a career back in Wales um, and contribute to the little part of the country that I can. you know, I, m- I might not be able to change the world, but I might be able to change something very locally. Something I'm very passionate about um is is the uh, the redevelopment and and reskilling of folks in South Wales from that industrial heritage. Um so, yeah, that's where I am now.
0: Very good. yeah. and the yeah, the Celtic Sea round, it's gonna I assume it's going to be busy and then, there's going to be a lot of work coming from it, so it's nice to yeah, you touch on the industrial heritage and kind of a new new era, um, of 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 work coming down the line. I also like the storyline of going from shell as a geologist now in the carbon, uh, the carbon transition. I think that's a that's a a story in that definitely. <laughs>
1: yeah i mean there's definitely uh, a few ups and downs in between i should say that i met my wife in the us and uh, we moved over here and then had a had a, a a little boy during covid and so all of these things sort of transpired as we went along the journey and and um the further i um i moved into renewable energy then the, the more i knew i'd made the right choice having my son is is, is a massive motivating factor um you know just all that commitment to to a cleaner future i mean we're really lucky we we um live in a little house down by the river taff and um the other day he was playing in it and and you know just throwing stones right and and there's this little bit of me that's just so conscious of like wow this this the fact that he can do this is is great because you know we've we've improved the river quality to that level but equally i'm i'm so conscious of all of the things that are going on at the moment in 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 water quality and um you know the 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 sewage being put into the river so so it's it's really interesting it makes when you have a child it really makes you look a different perspective and you really start thinking about all these different aspects um and yeah the, the, i mean the, the, so the crown Estate's announcement last week about the celtic sea um i mean it it, it couldn't have aligned better to sort of my own principles and that they, they are saying now you know they really want any sort of proposition that comes in from a developer they want to see where that emphasis is on skills uh, environmental benefits how they're going to address inequality um and and communities to really be put at the heart of that social value module so it's uh, it, it's really important that those things aren't overlooked. It's very tempting to, to to look at those things with, oh well, it's you know it's it's a bit of verbiage, but it has the potential to make a real lasting impact. Both my grandparents, my grandfather's were were, were coal miners, and so they retired, well you know mid seventies, late seventies, when the mining industry was still there, but it was on its last legs, and then subsequently, you know, I've, I've seen it. Or granted from afar i've seen those communities go into disrepair they've they've you know struggled to find a uh, uh, work that's lasted over a long period of time and so i'm, I'm really committed personally to those kind of um uh, to strive to those targets and um and hopefully you know people will take them seriously and the fact that the crown estate has announced those uh priorities is, is a great sign
0: just for anyone listening, who, so we're talking about leasing rounds and Crown Estate. Um, could you give just a brief overview of what how that works, um, and uh, the process behind that?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a bit of a mystery, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, really. That's I mean, my <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: so the the Crown Estate will identify a, a series of, of of areas that they are essentially. Um, willing to permit developers to to come in and develop an offshore uh, wind farm that that, i mean that's it in a nutshell it takes into various uh uh, environmental factors its location with regards to shipping how far it is offshore um the the a lot of the, the the offshore wind farms we've currently got in in the north sea and around scotland um they are anchored to the the base of the seabed using some kind of foundations. The interesting thing about the Celtic Sea is that it will be that much further offshore and thus using floating wind technology. And so the idea is deeper water, further out, less visual impact. There are definitely environmental factors that we need to consider in these these type of areas, particularly when we look about um, marine mammal migration, Um, you know ornithology and all this kind of stuff but but um, I think crucially because it's further offshore it should reduce some of the environmental impacts at least that's the the theory Um, how that all comes together is something that consultants and developers are all working together on um, at the moment Um, and that that's another big difference you, you see between the uh, uh, the renewable energy industry on the whole, I would say this is true anyway. And and, and the oil and gas industry is there is a lot more collaboration. Um, a lot of projects that come to fruition in in, in a positive manner are usually down to collaboration. Um, and that was, that was difficult to achieve in the oil and gas industry because of the um, the, the competitive nature of it at the time.
0: In terms of collaboration then, um, I I assume you're, you're working you work with individuals from various different uh, disciplines and technical backgrounds how, how do you help how do you promote collaboration because it, it is um it's a, it's an industry I was reading a paper there last week and um it was only envi- it was it was it was almost a literature review of the environmental impacts from offshore wind and I think it, the figure was like 75 percent of the publications have came in the last eight years so very very young and, and a lot of research coming on. So knowledge sharing for me would be probably up there as one of the number one things you have to do. Um, how, how do you go about and um maybe skills you picked up beforehand and um, when you're working for Shell, how, how do you bring that into the industry now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good question. And honestly, I think it's something that um we still struggle with simply because of the how busy everybody is. Um, I was speaking with somebody the other day about decommissioning and well you know the the guidebook on decommissioning is yet to be written but we need to start thinking about these things because they're going to come down the road in the next 10 15 years and that may seem a long way but it really isn't that will happen so fast um and the industry is crying out for for people to get involved and so knowledge sharing becomes even more important when you're bringing on folks who are you know new to even just the energy industry let alone offshore wind i think what you have to do is is prioritize it That you, you have to, to to demonstrate that how important it is to cross almost cross skill knowledge between you know different disciplines so you have an awareness of what's going on um now certainly some some areas do work together quite closely um you know uh, particularly when we look at some of the, the environment the, the eia survey work that's being done Um, But there are other other areas that are, um, I think you need to bring them along a bit more um, and and engage them and say, look, this is why you want to do this, because, you know, there might be duplication of work here. There's definitely ways that we can um, um, streamline some of this work. But not only that, it's it's, it's building that buy-in from the team that you essentially establish around the project you know that you're contributing to a, a bigger goal you're contributing to a um something that's worthwhile something that is is making a difference and so just like any big project you know you 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 your pm and 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 um, the, the project director that will be driving this it's incredibly important to get that right um and unfortunately i think that's the bit that we do struggle with just simply because of capacity simply because everybody is so busy um and that's not a bad thing. But I th- I think if we if we could just get our capacity right, and I think this is across the board, really, if you just get the capacity right enough people here, we would be able to do things that are um, much more collaborative, allow folks that time to skill correctly uh, and, and knowledge share. Um, we, we, we strive to do it in WSP by uh encouraging sort of monthly meetings we get town halls together where we share um you know problems where we try to think about that sort of cognitive diversity so we would look at you know okay you might not be involved in perhaps the 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 um the EIA directly but you've been involved in certain parts of that process and so you might be able to offer a different perspective on how you might approach that problem um and I think you can use those those type of uh, tools and scenarios in in in, in any part of a, a development. So yeah, it's 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 a really important thing that that cross skilling. I think a bit, bit overlooked again.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe a podcast in offshore energy is required. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a few out there. There's a few, you know, and, and I think that um that they do a good job of giving you know sort of overview of the uh, summary of what's going on in the industry and there's always things popping up but um skills and learning has never been I don't know it's never not really a sexy topic you know I think if you talk to most sort of uh project managers or or, or line managers they're like oh well how long is that going to take them away from the project and it's, mm-hmm. it's seeing the value in it overall and I think that generally people talk the talk don't perhaps walk the walk now there's there's there are tools that are coming out that are making this a little bit easier, but um, ultimately, um, I think, you know, it's really about investing in people. Um, and and that goes for folks who are new to the industry and, and looking at it, and also people who are already in it that may have had sort of 10 years experience. But, uh, yeah, it's it, keeping up to date with that literature will be important. Um, when I when I look at back at, at, at Shell, I look back at that sort of career with the oil and gas industry. Around that sort of 2011, 2012, there was a vast amount of money being spent on skills development. And that was simply because they understood the value in training the staff. There's an element of retention of that. So, so you know, people know that they're going to get skilled up and they're going to, you know, increase their knowledge in an area which they're passionate about. Um, and so that enables them to be you know retained by the company. but also the the science, the 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 information, the knowledge changes all the times, always being updated. Uh perhaps we're not quite there yet in 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 the renewables industry as as a whole. Um, you know, or perhaps that offshore wind, you know purely speaking from my own experience now, but but you know, perhaps that isn't there yet in the industry certainly you know you can make the argument well it's a standardization you know with geology looking at things from the subsurface aspect but you know as you've just said you know most of the articles out there are less than seven years old so i mean how many folks in the industry could say well i'm up to date with all that literature go back to 2012 2013 and i asked a group of, of geoscientists in the oil and gas industry how many people have read this paper that paper most of them would have said yes oh i saw that bit of research because they know that that's that's directly applicable to something that they're working on. It's directly applicable to how much money they're going to make ultimately, you know, I mean, it, it, to be brutal about it. But um, the, um, uh, the the monetary fact of it now is, well, if you know that bit of research, you're a better environmental scientist, you are better at your job, you, your, your, your capital, as it were, is how you can improve the environment, how you can make this wind bomb you know uh uh, better have less impact on the environment and um so yeah i I think that that has to happen at some point um again it's just all happened so quickly that people are rushing to catch up
0: yeah um the learning and development part of your career i was actually surprised i I didn't i didn't know you did that um where did that come from did do you you enjoy the teaching and um seeing people develop or how, how did you get into that Thomas
1: yeah so my first I was my first passion is just being outside um I, I can't admit that you know I started off with a grand plan I mean I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was about 30 if I'm really honest <laughs> um but so at 22 I'd just done my master's and I was looking for a job this was around 2008 2009 So the economy was absolutely terrible. There wasn't a great deal of jobs out there, Um, but I found a job at a company called Nautilus that were a geoscience training company. They uh, specifically took groups of uh, geoscientists around the world. Um, I mean, everywhere, Australia, Borneo, Canada, US, all across Europe, took these folks on field trips. To learn about geology. Um, and they were running, well, I think it was a hundred odd plus. That was at their peak um, at the time, um, each year. And so it was very busy. And as a 22 year old just out of school, uh, you know, to be given the opportunity is like, hey, you know, you're a mountain, you're gonna get qualification in the mountain leadership, you're gonna get all this exposure to all these geoscientists and no, you know, world-class outcrops. Um, know make all these contacts it was just such an absolutely awesome opportunity um and that was yeah three three and a bit fantastic years there so yeah it was a, a bit of falling into that really but um the connections that i gathered from that and the the skills were perhaps not technical but they were certainly around project management, logistics um and around people management and those are probably the you know some of the most valuable skills you can do if you can deal with people if you can work under that kind of stress and pressure um it's they were really valuable um but yeah, it was, it was an interesting time
0: <laughs> so just to make this clear, you got paid to travel around the world Is that- that's right that's right a uh, good way to do it Mike. yeah <laughs> it was brilliant it was brilliant yeah there was. it was uh it
1: was a, a fun time you know and and to have uh you know the company credit card paying for for everything was uh <laughs> was was great very good um, yeah yeah
0: no yeah no that's it I've, i just wanted to find out a bit more about that because um i can tell you had a passion for collaboration and and yeah yeah so i mean it's interesting to see where it came from yeah
1: absolutely and i mean it really it really it was a job that allowed me to be outside you know so basically uh, 10 12 weeks of the year i was outside hiking walking along the coast you know i was i was climbing and that's all i really knew that i liked and so followed that you know um it, it was only sort of you know the years went by the opportunity things start to get a bit more serious and um yeah you know life just catches up to you then a bit and you think "Mm, I don't know this is a bit exhausting um but yeah it's good times
0: yeah no I I like what you said there about following what you like and enjoy um I think if you do that and you uh if you have an idea if yeah you're getting paid for it you enjoy it I think, and you're passionate about it, it'll, it'll work out, I think, uh, and it, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's great. It's great to see ultimate,
1: you. ultimately, you just got, to, if you don't know what, like,
0: I knew I liked being
1: outside, that's why I did geology, but if, you, you know, I, I, I just kept trying things, I kept just trying different things, um, and it's, it's so funny, because I look back on that now, um, you know, it's before Instagram. It's before like LinkedIn. It was like so many. It's so different now. And I think about the experiences I had there that were just so like very much in the moment. They were just just these little sort of factors that I had to deal with. Um, and now there's just this vast opportunity uh, uh, for folks to to do their own little businesses um, and, and and build things that are you know just online. Um, yeah there's a lot of opportunities now and i think if if i was that age now that's probably what i'd be doing i'd be trying different ventures this is why like this is a great idea this podcast idea love it you know it's just um doing things like that not you know perhaps no experience in it before but like really willing to give stuff a go uh that attitude is is absolutely fantastic
0: yeah yeah um Winging it is what we call it in Northern Ireland. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, winging it and learning. Um, yeah. yeah, that's. Um, I I like that approach to approach to life. Uh, thank you very much for uh, that, Thomas. Um, I want to go back to industrial heritage in Cardiff and Wales and the future of offshore wind. What benefits do you think? What benefits do you think the offshore wind industry can give the community? and how do you think the community can get involved in projects and um, I, I'm actually not aware, I'm sure it happens like in terms of the energy generated, I'm sure there's some sort of like community uh, benefits in terms of that as well. Uh, but uh, do you know anything about that?
1: Yeah, so I think there's a couple of factors there that that you know it's, and, and this is why it's difficult to get people to commit to, well, how are you going to make this work for the community? um and truthfully you know there's, there's not a, a a grand plan and that in in place for this you know how that energy is is um put into the grid and where it's used i think is pretty um ambiguous uh its chances are it's just going to be you know in the grid and 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 as much as wales will say well it's, it's on um you know it's in the welsh sea so it, you know it's, it's powering x many homes that is correct um but you know how how do you quantify that um I, th- I think the biggest opportunity that's there is that rather than looking at this from a this is a, an offshore wind um development offshore wind ray farm whatever you want saying uh it's a whole supply chain and so you know one of the things that the the, the crown estate came out with last week was that this emphasis on a developer in their bid for to to win an area in this leasing round will need to show that they um, will work with the ports, the local ports and how they'll develop that. And so when you start thinking about the manufacturing process, and then you start thinking about all of the the different supply chains that need to be in place uh, to support that, that all has to happen locally, big emphasis on local content. Then you start thinking, well, that creates jobs. and then you've got that knock on effect. So, so from that offshore infarm, farm, there's the port development. There's the supply chain that influences that. You might not be, you know, when I talk about skills, that, um, the, the direct things that are useful right now are probably around that consenting, EIA, you know, those those type of skills. However, the the plan is that, you know, in the next five to 10 years, as these projects become reality and actually hit the ground, that's when you know a workforce is really going to be needed, um, particularly in the sort of physical aspects of things, from the construction, port management, delivery, um, you know, and everything in between, anchoring systems, concrete, you know, from 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 what you could argue are are, are low-skilled. I mean, I'd never describe any of those things as low-skilled, but you know, to 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 perhaps. The more um, office-based work, should we say it's it's it, it's that whole range of skill sets. It's that whole range that should be able to support the development um, and be able to to provide a an income to a community. So look at something like Port Talbot, that has a steel industry there. The Welsh government are working incredibly hard with Tata Steel to try and get you know Tata to stay there, despite their losses, which are in the millions every week. Um, to stay there be- because the manufacturing process could be done for the celtic sea the port could be redeveloped um to construct the actual floating um uh, uh, uh the, the floating um rigs themselves they can be moved offshore and it's everything that goes into supporting that you know talking at a very basic high level here but but it's 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 a th- and a vast amount of of people that are going to be needed in order to make that a success um and then you've got the long term maintenance of it you know how how is that going to be managed and beyond that it's like well if 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 the celtic sea if 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 wales and ireland um you know can be the first to do these kind of things well, Australia, uh, um, you know, the, the, the Far East, uh, the USA, they're all hot on the heels. These are all skills that are going to be needed. Um, and, you know, to have that opportunity to be first in line to then be able to to share those worldwide, I, ju- I just think it will open doors for people, the community. Um, you know, plus you're just gonna have that, you know, that a stable source of income in an area in South Wales, particularly lots of the industrial parts of South Wales that hasn't been there for 20, 25 years. Um, You know, so the possibilities are just vast there. Plus, you plug all that into some things like carbon capture and storage. It's happening in Milford Haven. So, you know, know, talking about decarbonisation, the industry, Tata Steel, another example there, pumping that carbon out and then taking it offshore, perhaps to the North Sea or the Irish Sea, where it can be put in subsurface. Uh, in the subsurface uh the rwe um investment in south wales is is, is quite significant and, and they are very big on the celtic sea to get some of those uh, uh, areas with the intention of using that power to generate hydrogen green hydrogen so then you talk about the hydrogen industry so you know it's not not just offshore wind in the celtic sea that's that's viable down here it's it's all of these things um and if we can just get it right if we can tap into to to enthusiasm if we can get the planning right and 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 if we can do it in a timely manner um it's just such a vast opportunity
0: um it's all related there's like an interweb of Supply chain, um, manufacturing, and the port expansion as well, and that she accommodate all these developments, and then you have the the knock on from people earning more money, incomes in the communities, and all all the rest of that. So, um, exciting times ultimately. Um, just to finish off, do you have Good any one. advice for future environmentalists? Anyone looking to get into the energy industry? um any words of wisdom from what you picked up up from over the years
1: yeah i i think don't be afraid to to try things uh new things don't don't um be put off by titles on job applications uh you know whether that's eia services or or, or whatever it is really um you know often folks will look at cvs and it, although it might say only five years experience or 10 years experience you know it's worth applying for them because you never know and there's such demand now for people who have an enthusiasm that want to be involved in the renewable energy industry uh it's a great time to to start that journey um now i didn't have a huge experience of, of 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 um uh of eia i don't have a huge experience of um of that side of things but my real skill is in project management it's in people it's in um getting uh, teams together and getting them to deliver to a high high standard um and and those technical skills you will pick up as you work through it it's only the it's really only the way you're going to learn the things that you need to know is actually being in the environment and if you can come across that way in either the cv the interview whatever it is i that you know i'd I'd rather work with somebody like that i'd rather have somebody who's going to to work passionately um on on something that they want to be involved with um you know and, and there's a lot of folks making that transition i've made it myself my wife had 15 years working for um shale gas drilling in texas right so proper you know oil and gas and um made the transition to project management in hydrogen and now works successfully for a hydrogen company in cardiff um and so and she loves it absolutely loves it uh, so that transition is possible um there's so many tools that your at our fingertips these days um you know online courses and that that will give you the confidence to go and do it so yeah that that i would say is just don't be afraid to to try new things um and and reach out make those those connections it's never been easier to to reach out to folks whether it's via linkedin you know i can honestly say you know the people i re- i was reaching out to early on were were very happy to have a conversation with me about the type of skills and the type of people that they looked for in their organization you're always going to get folks who who won't reply and 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 you know aren't too keen but i'd say most of most folks involved in the renewable energy industry are good people and um, and and uh, welcome discussions around these type of things so
0: yeah awesome um and I think you're spot on by people that are one recognize that they maybe don't have all the skills but you do know the type of person that will come into a job and learn on the job and um, who's willing to pick uh, pick up skills uh, try new projects, um, that's it, yeah. Um I, I know a few people like that and they're they're great to work with. Um you just you just feel the passion and the enthusiasm from them and then they kind of just drive people along with them. They're absolutely great. So um yeah, it's exciting and hopefully we'll see more of those people in the offshore uh, wind and energy industry. Um uh I love the transition you've made from Shell to uh I, I love it, and your wife as well. It's fantastic. Um, it's really yeah, it's good. Been, it's
1: been a funny, funny couple of years. I'll, I'll tell you that. You know, it's and mm-hmm. and um, I will a few junior members of staff have asked me. You know, like you know, how how could you work for Shell? You know, and I said, look, at the time, um, we were Shell was actually pushing for more renewable, clean energy. You know, I can't say the same for them at the moment, but um, uh, you know, it was very much a company in transition um and and i'll say this for them is that there are a lot of good people at that company mm-hmm. and um if i was going to pick a company to decarbonize the atmosphere if we needed the 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 financial backing and the project management skills it would be a company like shell and and whether we like it or not um you know it, it, it's just the nature of how big they are and the people they've got um, you know I, I made the transition. I feel better for 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 not being there and doing what I do now. But, um, I uh, uh I, I don't think vilifying them uh is it, the right way to go about it. Yeah, absolutely, but it's, it's it's a difficult topic I know for lots of people, mm-hmm. that's just how it is.
0: yeah. You you could go down a rabbit hole of uh, arguments and wars and against, but we don't have time throughout the day. Paul. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Listen, um it's been really, really great to speak with you. Um I am excited to keep up with your um LinkedIn, see the progress um with your team. I think your passion and uh passion for collaboration and innovation just comes across straight away and it's really, really exciting. Um I love now you're back in Wales, in the Welsh Heritage. I love that as well. Um I think it's fantastic. So um listen, thanks for coming on uh Coastal Catchups. Um Maybe get you on again sometime in the future. Sure. We'll see yes, how it goes. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Um, thank you.
1: No, it's been a pleasure, Sam. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Thank you very much, Thomas.